All right, I want to squeeze a couple more calls in until we get, we'll introduce something else into the mix. Let's go Larry in Lincoln Park. What's up, Larry? Yeah, I was just uh, listening to you. Good program today. Thanks, Larry. Uh, no, I just uh, don't like the analogy that, uh, you know, throw whatever you can at Trump and see what sticks. Uh, this is my tax tax money that they're using for these frivolous uh, charges that are you know, obviously, to me, very political and uh, cutting in on the freedom of the speech. Mm-hmm. And, and I just don't understand why they cannot bring one indictment against the Biden family because would they have I don't I, I don't understand why they why they're not in jail it's, it's crazy well I look jail I don't know but we gotta at least let the facts play out we gotta at least let we gotta at least see what's there and that's where I you know you've got Democrats on Capitol Hill slow rolling this thing uh with with Devin Archer the the buddy of Hunter Biden the business partner of, of decades and and they're trying to play it down like it's nothing. It, it's a nothing burger. It's not. It's not. I, I, we need to. You need to investigate. You need to do a, br- a brisk investigation without any roadblocks. And you need to f- follow the evidence. If it leads you to nowhere, fine. But you got to follow the evidence. It's the only way to restore trust in our di- in our in our justice system. In the DOJ in particular. Yeah, the DOJ and the FBI and yeah, all the of them. service. All of them. You know, but I, I just don't understand why they, you know, they have facts. They got bank accounts. They got cell companies. Well, look, uh, Larry, here's buying. the other part. And, and I know that I know it's a it's an easy thing to say. It's like, well, I don't want my tax dollars going to this. But this is also part of the process in terms of holding people to account for transparency purposes like these investigations are part of the deal or part of the job. But but at, at some point, you, you have to show that you're doing things above board, across the board. Larry, I appreciate the call. Uh, thank you. Uh, Louise is in Cleveland. What's up, Louise? Okay. Um, my issue is about uh, Mike Pence. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he makes that decision or somebody else makes that decision. Who made the decision to hold up? The election when uh, Bush and Gore with the hanging chads, right? And I I listened to every single hearing from like uh, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Georgia, I don't know who else regarding all the problems they were having with the voting machines, with people pulling up suitcases of votes from under a table, with the votes coming from Pennsylvania and a UPS truck or something, and. You had citizens testifying that were volunteers that were right there, you know, like, uh, what do you call that, poll watchers? Yeah. And, I mean, they were putting their lives and their jobs. I know, but, but, but also in court, they were, they, were, they were shot down. Or they were found to be, you know, votes that, that came in legally. That were, they were all, they met the criteria. So, I, I, I mean, I get it. I understand but instead of of looking at that, now we need to shift the focus to, okay, what does the DOJ have? Because it's going to be a, a huge battle to argue that Donald Trump knowingly tried to stop the, 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 the votes from being uh, given the, the, the stamp of approval 
and then everything relating to January 6th. I think it's going to be very difficult to prove that. So Jack Smith and company, they got to have the receipts. They got to have the evidence. And I think that's going to be very interesting to see as more of this becomes available, more the more information we get. And as this thing gets to trial and, and we're, we're a ways from that, though. Uh, we told you yesterday about the Arthur book uh, where there is a an effort underway in Florida to pull it from a school district because they they talk about playing spin the bottle. And I told you yesterday, I, I think there are things that kids don't need to learn about. There are, there are things that they don't need to read when they're in elementary school. I don't think we need to, to, to talk about Genghis Khan in third grade. Right. I think there are we can all agree. But I do believe there is a different set of circumstances when it comes to public libraries, like city-funded libraries. I think there's a very different situation. And now the Michigan Public Library, the Michigan Library Association, excuse me, is calling on Michiganders to push back against what they say is censorship and a violation of the First Amendment. Debbie McCullough is the executive director of the Michigan Library Association. She joins us. Debbie, good to have you with us. Thanks. I'm 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 happy to happy to join you. Um, talk to me about uh, this six month campaign that you're launching called My Right to Read. Sure. So um, back in March, uh, we had uh, we did a public opinion poll um, throughout the entire state of Michigan, and captured a lot of great information from about 800 um, you know 800 voters whether they were Democratic, Independents, or Republicans. And what we found was a love of libraries, uh, you know, a very overwhelming majority love their libraries, use their libraries, love their librarians, trust their Mm -hmm. librarians. And what we, we also asked them about censorship and book banning, and is that appropriate or not appropriate? And what we found was 80% of the voters in Michigan said that, books should not be banned in public libraries. Um, and and we, we really wanted to make sure that in addressing that, that we were able to tell the rest of the citizens in the state of Michigan that a very small vocal minority were attending, you know, public library meetings. And, um, and we wanted to make sure that they knew that these statistics, valid, solid t- statistics, we're out there, and we wanted to make sure that we, we could um, protect the right to read, protect our First Amendment rights, all of our per- First Amendment rights, um, and let you choose the books that are, are uh, you know, that you want to read, and I get to choose the books I want to read, and that libraries were accessible to all citizens, and that we had a diversity and a variety of books and materials at our disposal for what what we wanted to choose. Sure, and that makes sense to me. And, and again, I, I do look at public libraries and, and say public, uh, public school libraries, completely different. I think that when you're dealing with a public library, it is for the community. It is there are there are less parameters. Um, and of course, we saw the 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 library out. I believe it was in West Michigan. Um, that the community voted to to defund it and they weren't going to to continue to fund it at the level they were. I guess that's that's their prerogative 
in in the sense that they're going to continue to vote on it. But I don't think that does the, the community any good. Um, but but all all libraries are you know all politics are local and all libraries are local. Sure. All public libraries sure. and there's three hundred and ninety six or ninety seven public library systems in the state of Michigan, and they all have their own procedures, their own mm-hmm. policies, their own rules, their own board members, um, and they get to make those decisions. And you're right. The Patmos Library out in Jamestown Township. That's it, Jamestown. Um, just, just over by Grand Rapids. Yep. Voted to to really, because of, I think it was 90 books out of 67,000 books in the library that had an LGBT Q theme, voted twice, once in August and once uh, in November of last year, to to not um, to not fund the library. So they have a millage. Um, the millage was up for renewal, and the voters there voted to you know in sure. in essence shutter the library. Uh, I have about thirty seconds left here. Talk to me real quick about the the process of acquiring new books from from a library's perspective, if you can, in a nutshell. Yeah, so so librarians are totally qualified. They have master's degrees. They have they put together a collection development policy that's approved by the board, and they purchase books based on the community based on uh, what people are asking them for Mm -hmm. and based on the community around us. So we want to make sure that that diversity of materials is, you know, is is available to all in the library. Well, it's interesting stuff. We'll continue to watch it as the campaign uh, rolls out. Devin McCoola, thank you so much. Appreciate the time. Sure. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, have a good one. We got to take a break. We'll get to more of your calls and texts coming up next. Also give you an update on what's going on around the country.